In Galatians, the third chapter, in verse 13, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Boy, those are wonderful words, aren't they? Everybody say that first phrase with me at least three or four times. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. I'll say it fast. We're going to say it right now. <laughs> say it with me. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now say me this time. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Again, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. One more time. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Is that true? Christ has, not going to, not as in the process of has, has redeemed you and I from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Going on with me to uh, First uh, Peter now, first chapter. First Peter chapter 1. And the uh, 18th verse, 1 Peter 1.18, says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but, in other words, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, and without, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Glory to God. How many know that we have been bought? Not with money, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Finally, in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. 1 Corinthians, chapter 6. Verse 19, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Everybody say, I'm not my own. <laughs> For you are bought with a price. Everybody say, I'm bought with a price. <laughs> he said, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to God, spirit, soul, body, everything we are, everything we have, we're His. We belong to Him. Whether we act like it or not, <laughs> we are His property by right of creation and by right of purchase. Thank God. We are. I joy in being His property. Amen. In belonging to Him. He doesn't treat you like just property. 
does he? He treats you like something precious, something valuable. But you've been bought. You belong to him. We talked yesterday about the fact that redeem literally means to buy or to buy back or also involves the idea of a ransom, a ransom paid for somebody that's in bondage, somebody that's been taken, sold, kidnapped, whatever, but, but a ransom is paid for them so that they are released and set free. And the Bible tells us that we've been redeemed, we've been ransomed, we've been bought. Well, for us to have been bought, that means we had to have been sold. Isn't that right? We were sold uh, previously to his buying us. And we read scriptures like Isaiah 50 and Isaiah 52. These different places where it said, uh, Behold, for your iniquities you have sold yourselves. Another one said, uh, You have sold yourselves for nothing, and you shall be redeemed without money. Well, that's what, that's what Peter said, isn't it? You weren't redeemed with money. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. So, he talks about having been sold. Frequently in the Old Testament, you read where it said individuals sold themselves to do evil. Sold themselves to do wrong. You ever read anything like that? One, in, one instance is, is Ahab. Remember Ahab? Anybody remember Somebody said, oh, you mean Ahab the Arab? No, no. Ahab the Israelite. Ahab. The Bible said that, you you might remember his wife, Jezebel. The Bible said that there was nobody like Ahab who sold himself to do evil and wrong, whom his wife Jezebel stirred up. Bad combination. And, and he did everything. He, you know, did all kind of terrible things. And uh, the Bible said he sold himself. Now, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they sold themselves through their sin and lost out with God. And the Bible says that every human being since then, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has also sold himself. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isn't that right? Sometimes, you know, people, when they, if, if you talk about sickness or you talk about problems or, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't understand. What did I ever do to deserve this? You know, and, and they, they emphasize that aspect. Well, what, what did I ever do to deserve this? Well, you don't always say it, but you could say plenty. That's right, plenty. In fact, if you got what you deserved and got everything that you deserved, You'd live a, a, a very short, tormented, miserable life. You'd die prematurely and go to hell and spend eternity there. If you got what you deserved. Every one of us. Not just two or three people. Every one of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's the wages of sin? Death. Death is manifested in many different forms. Death is manifested while you're still alive in the form of mental anguish, torment, sickness, disease, pain, poverty, all kind of problems. And then spiritual death is also manifested in physical death. And then after physical death, separation from God and torment. That's also death. Death involves a lot of different things. So let's don't talk about what we deserved. Let's talk about mercy. 
Amen. Let's talk about grace. Let's talk about the fact that Him who knew no sin, who didn't deserve to die, who didn't deserve any judgment, He was made sin for us. Amen. He took what He didn't deserve so we could get the blessing that we didn't deserve. We're singing a few moments ago, the Lord turned my curse into a blessing. That's a, that's a scripture. You find that a couple of times. You find it in the law, and you find it also over there in, I believe it's Nehemiah as well. The Lord turned my curse into a blessing. You were cursed. I was cursed. We stood cursed. But the Lord has turned our curse, thank God, into a blessing. I am not cursed. That's when we're singing also, I'm not under the curse. I'm not cursed. I'm the blessed. You might say, well, if that's true, why are so many Christians, why do they have the curse in their life? If it's true that we as Christians are not cursed, we're blessed. Why are so many Christians experiencing the curse? Several reasons. I'll give you three main reasons why Christians are experiencing the curse. Number one is lack of knowledge. Number one, lack of knowledge. People don't know that they're redeemed from the curse. Even sometimes folk that have heard it, uh, you know, they, they recorded it in their, in their mind, but it still hasn't really dawned on their heart. The truth of it has not really dawned on their spirit that they have been bought back from the curse. They are free. They don't have to have the curse in their life. Though they've sinned, though they've messed up, still you don't have to be cursed. Jesus took it. Amen. And a lot of times folk just, that has never really dawned on them. It's never, never really dawned on their spirit. And you know, the, the Bible says God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know can cause you to be destroyed. That's a, that's a big problem, lack of knowledge. Number two is lack of faith. Even though many people have heard it, some people have not really appropriated it. But, well, you know, that sounds good, but... It's just not true. I don't feel like it. doesn't look like it. They're walking by sight, you see. How many know you got to believe you're blessed while you still look and feel cursed? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. you got to believe you're free before you ever look free or feel free. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. See, folks come back to this. Well, if I'm blessed, why is my life a mess like this? Well, you've got to believe it. you got to start believing it and talking it before it ever changes outwardly. We don't walk by sight. Don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. Amen. Faith calls those things which be not as though they were. Isn't that right? It calls, calls me blessed when I look at anything but blessed. Amen. How many of you got to start talking right over yourself? And you got to call yourself prosperous when you hadn't got money to pay your bills. Call yourself healed while you're hurt and the doctor's reports say anything but that. Call yourself blessed while it looks like everything about you is cursed. Get in agreement with God. Say about yourself what He said about yourself. And see, though some folk have heard the message, they're not in faith about it, are they? They're still talking doubt and unbelief according to what they see. But thirdly, a third reason why uh, some Christians, uh, why Christians are uh, not enjoying the blessing, even though they have legally been redeemed, is uh, some live in disobedience. They don't live in, in the will of God for their life. And they don't, they don't do according to the Word of God. And therefore, they, they forfeit their rights to the blessing and get back under the curse through their disobedience. 
So we've talked about three different areas real briefly, but, but I'm just summing it up to say Christians are supposed to be blessed. Amen. When Christians are not blessed, something's wrong. Either lack of knowledge, lack of faith, disobedience. These three areas really cover a lot of ground, but, but something's wrong. Right? God wants you blessed. You might say, yeah, but Brother Keith, you just don't know how I missed it. You don't know how much I've messed up in my life. You don't know. Yeah, and apparently you don't know how powerful the blood is to cleanse. Hey, it doesn't make any difference what you've done. You understand? doesn't make any difference what you have done, how you have lived. If you are able to humble yourself and confess your sin and receive God's grace and mercy, you can be clean. And when you do that, you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus paid for your sins. You don't have to pay for them by being sick. You don't have to pay for them by suffering this or suffering that. Jesus paid that price. Do you understand, friend? Get, get it completely out of your mind. The idea of you having to pay for your mistakes. No, no. Jesus paid for your mistakes. Aren't you glad? Oh, friend, do you believe that today? Do you believe that? So you've got to get that in your heart. Everybody say, I'm not paying for my mistakes. Jesus paid it all. I owe nothing. Jesus paid it. Amen. Believe it. Believe it. I'm not under the curse. I'm under the blessing. Just call me Mr. Blessed. Amen? Mr. Blessed. You need to take that name for yourself. Miss Blessed. Ms. Blessed. Whatever the case might be. Mr. Blessed. That's us. Is that right? But notice what he said. Christ has redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law. Well, we need to go and study about the curse of the law. Find out exactly, precisely what we've been redeemed from in some more detail. Because I found this, the more specific your knowledge, then the more exact and specific your faith can be. Go back with me to Deuteronomy 28. Let's begin to study some of these things today. Deuteronomy 28. We're going to just briefly go over uh, this, this whole chapter. But uh, you, can, you can also find out things about this subject that we're talking about in Leviticus, the 26th chapter. We won't go there right now, but actually it was first recorded in Leviticus 26 about the blessings and the curses. We'll begin in verse 1. Deuteronomy 28. It says, And it shall come to pass if... Everybody say if. Yes. If. He starts out with a condition, doesn't he? The, in other words, he's saying, This will happen if. It'll come to pass if you shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe and do all His commandments which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. If. Everybody say if. if. 
That's a condition, isn't it? You know, really folk ought to be more interested in the Word of God than what they are. If they really realized how much is riding on it, they would be a lot more interested. Whether your life is blessed or cursed is determined by whether you hear and do God's Word or not. And it's a sad thing that a lot of times when folk are reading the Bible or the Bible's being taught or preached, that folk just kind of have a half-hearted attitude, especially, you know, just going to church. They go to church and show up and somebody's preaching the message or singing about the Word or talking about the Word and folk just kind of, yeah, yeah, I've heard that and not pay too much attention to it when they don't realize that how they hear that and what they do with that can make the difference between them being blessed or cursed, even living or dying. The Lord said, this will happen if you hearken diligently. In other words, if you, if you pay close attention, careful attention to what I'm saying to you, and if you keep it, and if you observe it, and if you do it. In other words, if, in other words, if you're a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, then he said, all these blessings are going to happen to you. A lot of folk want to run to the blessings, but we need to back up right here too, don't we? Before you run to the blessings and talk about how are we going to be blessed, recognize the condition. This only happens what? If. Now you might say, yeah, but now Brother Keith, that's that's under the law. Yeah, but the principle is is exactly the same today. The difference is, 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 is what we do to fulfill the requirements. Under the Old Testament, when he said you keep all of my commandments and you observe all of my statutes, then of course that included the Ten Commandments, it included all the ordinances of sacrifice and offering and all of those things. But today, uh, we, we don't just uh, operate on a natural plane, we operate on a spiritual plane. We operate actually on a higher standard than what they did. And the Bible tells us, and actually we, we mentioned some of these things previously, but over in 1 John, the third chapter, you don't have to turn there, but he said, uh, uh, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward him. Amen. And it went on to say, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And it's New Testament. That's 1 John 3. But he goes on to say, and this is his commandment that we believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another as He gave His commandment. You see, instead of us thinking well about keeping up with the Ten Commandments, keeping up with all the ordinances of the laws and sacrifice given, we've got two main areas that we have to keep up with today on the New Covenant. Faith and love. Amen? If you walk in faith and if you walk in love, you are fulfilling the requirements. Amen? And you qualify for the blessings of God. If you don't walk in faith and you don't walk in love, then you don't qualify. You get yourself, you know, you you can forfeit your rights to the blessings that should be yours. So, I mean, in, in a very real sense, healing is conditional. It's conditional upon you, under the new covenant, upon you walking in faith and walking in love. Now, that's, that's real simple, but how many know that that's a full-time job? Walking in faith and walking in love, that'll keep you busy from early to late, you know. And it's not something impossible to do. You just have a choice. All through the day, things come up. Are you going to get in faith about it or are you going to doubt? All the time, situations come up where you're dealing with people. Are you going to be selfish? Are you going to be fleshy? Or are you going to walk in love? Right? You know, it's a decision. And it comes up all the time. 
And if we will walk in the light that we have, walk in faith, walk in love to the best of our knowledge and understanding, by the grace of God, we qualify for all of the blessings of God. If you're going to just ignore faith and walk in doubt and be selfish and mean and not walk in love, then you're, not, you're going to get yourself out from under the blessing and open the door for the curse in your life. So even though we're not under the law per se, the principles still apply. Only under the new covenant, a higher level of life. But he said, if you'll do these things, it'll, all these blessings will come on you. Verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, blessed in the field, blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the fruit of the ground, the fruit of the, ca the cattle, the increase of the kind, the flocks of the sheep. Now today, since everybody's not farmers, you'd have to apply that a little bit differently, uh, or, or, or you know, herdsmen or whatever. He's talking about all of your investments, all of your projects, isn't that right? Whatever your occupation is. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in. Blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord will cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. They'll come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. Over in Leviticus, talking about this, it said that you'd have so much that you'd have to take the old out of your storehouses to make room for the new. That's being blessed, isn't it? You're getting so many new clothes that you have to take your old ones out to make room for them. You know, have to take the old cars out of the garage so you can put the new ones in. Uh, are you listening? Y'all don't act like you believe that at all. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe it. Amen. I believe it. Amen. Somebody said, well, how many old cars have you had to take out to put new ones in? Well, not many yet. But it's not over. I said, it's not over. Amen. So you got, the Bible says through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. So you got to get a hold of something and start practicing it and stay with it. Not just for a month or two, stay with it year after year. That's where a lot of folk get in trouble. They just think, well, you know, say it a few times and if things don't change by, by dark, then uh, it didn't work. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, you know, you're not going to make it if you have that kind of attitude. You got to believe it enough to stay with it. Amen. From now on. It's either truth or it's not. If it's truth, it doesn't change. And you don't, you don't change either. You just stay with it. Keep believing the same thing, practicing the same thing. It goes on to say, uh, verse 9, The Lord will establish you, a holy people to himself, as he has sworn unto you, if, if, he keeps saying that, doesn't he? If you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. All the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you plenteous in goods, goods, things, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of the cattle, in the fruit of the ground, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give you. The Lord will open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give rain unto your land in his season, to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above only, thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken, if, there's that word if again, if thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Now let's just stop right there. Do, again, do you see how important his words are? This is all uh, dependent on his words, whether you hear them and know them and keep them and do them. 
And you know, a lot of people today, they are going aside from his words ignorantly because they don't know them. And they're not taking the time or making the effort to find out about them. And therefore, they are removing themselves from the blessing. Oh, friend, we ought to count the word of God so precious and so important to us. We ought to realize that our knowledge of the word and understanding and application and practice of the word is the only thing keeping us from death and destruction. Is the only thing keeping the, the door shut to the devil in our life. Amen. If you make it and somebody else doesn't, it's not because you're such a superior individual to them. Are you listening? It was because you knew the word of God and did it. Amen. There's not, not some great super mystery and secret and God just has a few select individuals that, that are so, you know, unique in and of themselves. No, it's a matter of who finds out what he said and does it. That's the thing that makes the difference. Hearers and doers of the word, those are the ones that's blessed. Those principles are exactly the same today under the new covenant. Exactly, those principles are exactly the same. If you hear the word of God and you do the word of God, you will be blessed. If you don't hear it, don't do it, you can be cursed. You'll open the door to the curse in your life. He goes on to talk about that. He says, verse 15, But it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day. In other words, if you won't listen, if you won't do it, all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. All these curses. Now, the curses come on those that don't listen. Those that don't know. Or those that don't listen and don't do. Curses are not for the knowledgeable and obedient. Are they? Curses are for those that don't know, don't care. Are those that hear and don't do. Don't listen. And you know, there's many an individual that hadn't listened to God. What about you? Has there been a point in your life when you didn't listen to God? I guarantee you there has been. Are you listening? Sure. Lord tried to talk to you. But no, you wouldn't listen. Got in trouble. Hmm? Tried to tell you this is not right. But you tried to make out like it was. All kind of reasonings. Isn't that right? Oh, what about this, though? And what about that? And, what a, and not listen to the Word of God. Well, you know, we live in a society that is full of that. You try to tell people, well, the Bible says, and act like, well, that's just an old historic book. Nobody's really sure about what it means. And they, you know, theorize and rationalize and reason. And you're thinking, you better pay attention to the Bible. Well, I don't have to. No, you don't. You can be destroyed. You can be cursed. But if you want to be blessed, you've got to hear what God says. Accept it as your final authority. If God says it, that's the way it is. If He says it's a sin, it's a sin. If He says do this, then you do it. If He says don't do that, then you don't do it. Amen. If He says this is right, then it's right. Don't care what the world says. If he says it's wrong, then it's wrong. Don't care what the world says. Don't care what the educated folks say. God's right. I said he's right. Nothing about this book is just old and, and not for us today and not with the times. 
That's foolish. The Word of God is timeless. Truth is timeless. Culture's got nothing to do with it. Passage of time's got nothing to do with it. It's the truth. If there's one thing I, I'd be eternally grateful to this ministry and to the Lord for working through this ministry for, through Brother Hagin and different ones in this ministry, is that early in my uh, development in God, they instilled within me a great love and respect for the Word of God. They taught me that the Word of God is the final authority. When you find it in the Word of God, that's it. There's no need you asking anybody else what they think about it. That's it. Amen? But did you know multitudes of people, they're not that way. I've told people what the Word of God said before, and they just look at you like, well, so? This book said this. So-and-so said this. This philosophy says this, and this religion. Well, that's got nothing to do with it. It makes no difference what men say after God has spoken. Right? When God has spoken, I don't care if a thousand men have a theory that's different. I could care less. I don't want to, in fact, I don't want to hear it. It just clogs up your mind. Files up with a bunch of other stuff to have to contend and deal with. Once you find out what God has said, make sure that's it. It's settled. It's settled. Now that sounds simple and, and it is in a sense, but, but many, many Christians have never really got that in their hearts good yet. That the Word of God is not really their final authority. You know? Well, let's just apply it to this area right here. The Word of God says Himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and by His stripes you were healed. That's the Word. Amen? And yet many times, of course I'm well aware of this because I've worked with folk that have had problems and you understand it, you know, why they respond the way they do, but it's still wrong. You talk to somebody and talk with them a little bit about that and you go, well, you know, praise God, the Bible said himself took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses. By his stripes, we're healed. Folk go, yeah, yeah, I know, but. I know it says that, but. And, and really argue about it. Well, I know it says that, but, but I don't, you know, I don't feel this, and, and, and what about this, and what about that? And see, they have not really accepted that as the final word. Well, I know that, but, but the doctor said. And I know that, but, but the tests show. And I know that, but. You know, we need to be good soldiers. Amen? Soldiers are under discipline. When they receive a word from their commander, they're not supposed to reason and argue. They're just supposed to accept it and go their way. Isn't that right? Some soldiers come and you know, before the Lord, and they say, permission to be healed, sir. And he says, soldier, you are healed. And they go, oh, well, Lord, I hear you, but... I just don't feel like it. And the doctor said, and I know what you said, but, and argue. Now see, that's a sign that that word is not the final authority. But we need to learn to come before the Lord and say, permission to be healed, sir. He says, you're healed, soldier. Thank you, sir. And you turn and you go. That's it. That's it. 
Yeah, but you still look and feel, I don't care. I've heard from headquarters. I'm healed. That's it. I'm healed. Yeah, but what about what you, no, no what about? What about the test? What about your symptoms? I don't care. I've heard from God. What difference does it make what tests say and what men say? I've heard from God. Oh, Finn, if we could get a hold of the fact that what you've heard from God, that's way up here above what you've heard from men. Amen. God's Word, if you'll accept it and receive it, God's Word will overshadow and eclipse everything else that's been said. Amen. What did He say about you? What did He say? He said, you're healed. Oh, you got your report. You got your report. See, a lot of folk are thinking, well, man, maybe, maybe the next time I go to the doctor, he'll give me the good report. You got your report. Start rejoicing now. You got it. What would you do if after extensive tests, the doctor looked at you across from the desk and said, well, I don't understand it, but it's all gone. No sign of it. No trace of it. You're healed. Oh, a lot of folk would just shout all over the place. You know, dance on the doctor's desk, whatever. Friend, that's still a man. That's still the word of a man. Why get more excited about the word of a man than you would the word of God? Oh, friend, it wouldn't be any more true, wouldn't be any more real if Jesus Christ himself descended through the ceiling and stood right here on top of this pulpit and looked at every one of you in the face and said, You are healed by my stripes. Wouldn't make it one bit more real or more powerful than it is right now off the living word of God, the page. Everybody say, I've heard from heaven. I've got the final word. I've got the final report. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. Hallelujah. We got it. Oh, yeah, I think some of you are getting it. I think. You understand, we're not just having services around here this week. Healing is happening. Things are going on. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank God. Healing's working. Healing's working in folk. If, he said, you hear and do, you'd be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. Let's go on and study some things about the curses. Because remember, Galatians 3 says that we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, beginning with verse 15, going throughout the, the, the remainder of the chapter, he describes in detail the curses that come for not hearing and doing God's laws. So this is the curse of the law. And the New Testament tells us specifically that we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. You know, sometimes people get confused between different things. You know, there is the curse of the fall. And then there's the curse of the law. Two different things. We're not redeemed at this present time from the curse of the fall. I think that's obvious. You might say, what is the curse of the fall? Well, all you got to do is read uh, over in Genesis chapter 3 and 4 and 5, along through there, about what happened immediately 
upon man's fall, what happened? Well, the ground was cursed. Isn't that right? And it would bring forth thorns and thistles, and it would be, in other words, there'd be problems in life. See, that before that hadn't been problems. Well, are there, are there still thorns and thistles? Are there still problems in life? Can you believe God that you won't have any more problems in life and that the ground will never bring forth another thorn? No, you're not redeemed from that. Until things are changed, still there's thorns in life. He also told uh, the, uh, the, the woman, he said, uh, your, your uh, conception, uh, pain and conception in childbearing is going to be multiplied. Well, that's still with us today, isn't it? Certainly is. I've heard some folk try to teach and say, well, if you had enough faith, you could have a child and it wouldn't even have any pain at all. Uh, I don't like that teaching. Are you listening? Don't care for that. Now, I do believe that you could believe God and not have, you know, uh, avoid complications and avoid problems and that God would help you and even temper the, the curse of the fall. But to say that every Christian woman, if they'd have enough faith and believe God, could just have babies like they were going to tea or something and not even think about it. No, no. If you have a baby, I'll guarantee you, you'd know about it. Are you listening? And it just, I just, I can't see that in the Word of God. You understand? And the reason I say that is because some, some people have, uh, you know, that, see, several things are a factor. You know, just look at natural things. Some, uh, some ladies are large framed. And they're a larger person and large frame. Even if they're not a larger person, sometimes their frame is larger in different ways. And then they have a smaller baby and, and it just makes it easier. And a lot of times they, they deliver much easier. And just some natural things there. And others that they don't have as much of that working in their favor, and so it makes it a little bit more difficult. But sometimes people will try to set that up and say, well, you know, if you had enough faith, then this is the way it would be. And it just puts undue pressure on people, uh, mothers that are already going through somewhat of a difficulty to begin with. It's, just, it's not right. It's not fair. You can't, I, I, I believe with everything within me that you should believe God. Amen. Believe God for the proper development of the child. Believe God for a, for a good and proper and normal delivery. Amen. God would prosper you and help you. Amen. But to say that you'd never have a pain, say that you'd, you know, just be, hardly even know it, they'd have to tell you when, when you were through having the bed. No, 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 it's not, it's not right. Same thing, that's part of the curse of the fall. You understand? And of course, all the things that accompany that. All the things that accompany womanhood and motherhood. There's some things there that, you know, there's going to be, you, you're going to know some things, uh, but, but you, they can be tempered. I said they can be tempered, but to say that they'd just be removed, it wouldn't be there anymore, no, they're going to be there. As long as we're mortal, as long as we're in this condition, uh, you're going to have to deal with some of these things. Same thing with, with the man. He, he told the man, he said, you're going to have to work. And he said, you're going to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. Well, are, are we redeemed from work? <laughs> no. Still got to work. Now, now some folk, really, some folk need to hear this message. They, they think they've been redeemed from work. Well, I'm just going to have, I'm going to live by faith. And I mean, they mean I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. You know, and I've, I've had people say, well, you preachers, you don't work. You know, uh, what's the difference? Oh, brother. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I was in several years back at home and some of my relatives, I hadn't seen them in quite a while. And, and we got to talking. Some of them said, well, what are you doing now? And I told them what I was doing. It's been years since I'd seen them. 
And after I told them what I was doing, they looked at me and said, you mean you don't work? You, you don't have a job? They said, yeah, that is my job. They, they didn't understand. Uh, but the thing is, you know, you, you, it's, it's not really that amazing that some people think the way they do because some, some so-called ministers are just lazy bums. They, they really are. They just, you know, uh, they just goof off all the time, don't do anything. They don't pray, they don't read, they don't study. A few minutes before their Sunday, Sunday service, they get a little sermonette out of somebody else's book and get up and half read it and quote it and, you know, and so some, you know, there's no reason why people think the way they do about some of these things. But if you do the ministry right, if you do what you're supposed to do, it's work, friend. It's work. I'm telling you. I've, I've done different kinds of physical work. I grew up on a farm. We did a lot of hard labor just growing up. I worked out on the docks loading freight. I've worked out in the cold. I know how to work. And I've done some things. But I'm telling you, there's been times in ministry and times in things that I've looked out the window and thought, man, it'd be a lot easier to dig a ditch than this. Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? Because you, you, to do things properly, you, 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 have to, you have to work. Not just physical work, mental work, spiritual work. You, you have to do some things. Amen. If you're going to have something to say when you get up, it takes some work. Is that right? And of course, most of all, it takes the grace of God and the utterance of the Holy Ghost, but you've got to give Him something to work with, too. But we're not redeemed from work, are we? No. Ministers are, are supposed to work. Everybody's supposed to work. That just, just happens that ministry, that's your job. That's what you do. Everybody's supposed to have a job. Everybody's supposed to do something. Amen. So that's the curse of the fall we're talking about. Didn't say we're redeemed from the curse of the fall. We're redeemed from what? Curse of the law. And it's enumerated here in detail in this chapter. Let's begin to, to notice some things. First of all, go to verse 68, the last verse of this chapter. And, and you'll see some familiar wording here. And you'll see how it ties into what we've already been talking about. Verse 68 uh, well, he's, he's, ta he's talking about the curse. Uh, let, me, let me just back up to verse 66. We'll read these last few verses together. This is the curse for not doing God's words and, and keeping His way. He said, Your life will hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night. You shall have no assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, Would God it were even. And at even you will say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of your heart for with you shall fear for the sight of your eyes which you shall see. And the Lord shall bring thee into Egypt again with ships, by the way whereof I spake unto thee, thou shalt see it no more again. And there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. Do we see that the curse involves being sold? Doesn't it? See, the natural here portrays the spiritual truth. Be, back up, if you would, to... Uh, the uh, 45th verse. 45th verse, it says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee, and shall pursue thee, and overtake thee, till thou be destroyed, because you hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he commanded thee. They shall be upon thee for a sign and for a wonder, and upon your seed forever. Because you serve it's not the Lord your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in worn of all things, and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. See, a yoke. Yoke is for slaves, people that are sold. 
that are property of somebody else. That, that gives you new understanding of Isaiah, doesn't it? Where it said, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke. Amen. The yoke is a symbol of servitude. Having been sold into slavery and bondage. Did you notice here that this, this is uh, so many things in these verses. But he said, uh, verse 47, he said, Because that you wouldn't serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore, you'll serve your enemies. You know, you're going to serve somebody. Is that right? If you won't serve the Lord, you're going to wind up serving your enemies. It's good when you serve the Lord. The Lord's good. But if you won't serve Him, there's just one other thing left for you. That's to be sold into servitude to your enemies. And that's hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's a cursed way. The way of destruction. Did you notice he said, he said, because you wouldn't serve the Lord with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. How many know that we're constantly to be glad and joyful? Is that right? I mean, it's not just one or two places in the Bible that you see it. And it's not just Old Testament. It's New Testament. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're to offer up the sacrifice of praise unto God continually, Hebrews says. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. We're to be thankful. We're to be joyful. Why? For, for the abundance of all things that God's blessed us with. Glad for His benefits. And you can see that a person that gets to the place where they're never thankful, they're never glad, they're just doom, you know, gloomy and, and doominess is on their, on their thoughts and, and they just are, are in that vein, they're on their way towards serving their enemies. Friend, part, part of faith is evidenced in thankfulness. Amen? If, you, if you're abiding in faith, then you're thankful and you're glad and you have joy. You know, condition of the soul and spirit is really as evident as condition of the physical man. It really is. I mean, if somebody physically is, is, is very ill and they're doing very poorly, you can tell it. I mean, you can tell it by the way they carry themselves. You can tell it by their energy level. It's evident. You can tell it by their countenance, by their eyes, by their tone of their speech, the color, their coloration, etc. Isn't that right? You can tell it when somebody's not doing good. And the same thing is true spiritually. You can tell whether somebody's doing good spiritually or not. What the Bible say your strength is spiritually? The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you're strong in spirit, you have joy. It shows up too, doesn't it? Sometimes folks say, well, brother, I, I got the joy in my heart, you know. I don't really show it too much, but it's in there. Wrong. I said, wrong. Proverbs says that a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. That's the way it is. You, you've got enough joy in your heart, it's going to show up in your face. You can't help it. You don't have to jump and shout. But you just sit there in the chair. And if it's there, it shows, it shows up. You, the, the corners of your mouth curl around. Your eyes smile. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, when you speak, there's a smile in the tone of your voice. When you step, there's a, there's a smile in your step. It comes out. Whatever's in, comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, 
speaks, it's expressed, it comes out. Amen. And he said, he, the Lord said, because you wouldn't serve me. See, you, you wouldn't serve me and be glad and be thankful for all of your blessings and walk in my ways. You wouldn't have that. So now you're going to serve your enemies. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go with me and obey me and be blessed. So now you can go with your enemies and be cursed. At one point he told Israel, uh, he had gone to Israel and sent to Israel through prophets day after day, month after month, year after year, trying to turn them back to his ways. And finally, at one point he told them, he saw they weren't going to listen to him, they weren't going to obey him, they weren't going to do his will. Finally, he told them, he said, all right. He said, you can serve them then, so that you can find out the difference between serving them and serving me. And they were sold into bondage. Their enemies defeated them and took them, you see. The Assyrians defeated them. Babylonians defeated them. Different ones. Why? That wasn't God's will. They didn't please God. It's because they wouldn't listen to Him. And it wasn't because He said something to them one or two or three or five or ten times. Who knows how many times and through how many prophets, through how many different ways God tried to talk to them and said, Listen to me. Do it this way. Quit doing this. Start doing it. Get back to this. But they wouldn't listen. So he said, well, okay, you don't like serving me? You can serve them. You can find out the difference between serving me and serving them. Friend, I'm telling you, serving the enemy is no life. Look around at the multitude of folk that don't know the Lord today. Sinners. Even folk that seem to be doing pretty good. They seem on the outside to have it together a little bit. They're miserable. They're empty. They're an empty shell. They got no focus. They got no purpose. They're miserable. Some of the people that, you know, they're so polished on the outside and they have the prestige and they have the money and they have the this and they have the that and one day you read that they shot themselves. Why? Because they got nothing on the inside. Serving the devil is torment. He's a cruel taskmaster. Harsh, unrelenting, pushing through the lust of the flesh. No, no, uh, no relief. No rest. Friend, it's it's a privilege to be able to serve the Lord. He's a good shepherd. He's a good God. Even though he tells you to do something, he won't even make you do it. Oh, that's when we ought to willingly serve him all the more diligently. Amen? Out of love, not out of compulsion. Oh, thank God. It's a joy to be able to serve the Lord. That's what he said. He said, in other words, why didn't you serve me? He asked him one time, he asked the Israelites one time, he said, he said, what, what fault have you found in me? That you've forsaken me? He said, what, what, what did you lack? What, what fault have you found in me? Tell me. They couldn't tell him anything. He'd, all he'd ever did for him was good. Delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. Worked miracle after miracle. Sustained them in the desert with manna out of heaven, water out of the rock. Brought them into the land that flows with milk and honey. Defeated all the, the nations that were against them. Established them in the land. All he ever did for them was good. All he ever did for you was good. I said all he ever did for you was good. He's done more good for you than you'll ever know in this life. There's been many a time your life would have been snuffed out, but his angels protected you and kept you. Some of them you know about, a lot of them you don't even know about. Amen. Times he's blessed you, sustained you, taken care of you. Things were happening, you didn't even know about it. You just knew it worked out. Amen. And then for people to decide, well, I don't like serving the Lord. I'm going to go serve his enemy. 
That's foolish. So foolish. So ignorant. That's why he said, you know, why wouldn't you serve me? You know, again, if you read Deuteronomy, the whole book here, again and again, he, tell, he talks about the feasts. God ordained them to have feasts. That's another way of saying parties. I mean, there's nothing wrong with parties. There's nothing wrong with celebrating. Party has taken on a, a bad connotation. Because when, when most, most people talk about party, they think, well, getting drunk, getting high, and getting involved in immorality and what have you. But see, that's, that's devil's perversion of a good thing. The feast were celebrations. And again and again, you know, I, I, I challenge you. In fact, if, you, if you're not aware of this, I challenge you to just go through and study uh, about his comments about the feasts and different things in Deuteronomy. Because again and again, he said he would say, come on this certain time and this certain day and bring your family and, and have your feast and rejoice before me and enjoy yourself. He commanded them again and again, enjoy, enjoy, celebrate, enjoy, rejoice. Amen. It's amazing how some people have got such a dead, dull religion when that's not what the Bible says at all. I mean, you can see that, can't you? God is our Father. When a father sees his kids get together, does he want them to sit around and play funeral music? Mourn and be sad about it? Well, if they sinned, they ought to repent and get it right. But other than that, what does he want to see? He wants them to be happy. Isn't that right? Enjoy yourself. That's why he, that's one reason why he wanted to do a lot of the sacrifices. You know, some of those sacrifices they burn them whole. Most of them they got to eat them. They offered them to the Lord and then they ate them. <laughs> you do realize that, don't you? It was a big party. I mean, you know that it was a big, big party. The whole nation was supposed to have parties, especially three great big ones. You know. Now, different ones of them were solemn feasts, and they represented different things. But a whole bunch of them, he told them, celebrate, rejoice, be glad, be exceedingly glad, rejoice, enjoy. And that's what he's telling them here. He said, why, why would you leave me? You know, what did you like with me? Why wouldn't you serve me and enjoy yourself and rejoice in all the good things I bless you with? Why wouldn't you do that? But now, because you wouldn't, you can serve your enemies. See if you like them better. Well, friend, I've already made my decision. I'm like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? And I'm going to rejoice every day in the good things that God has given me. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to stay with my master. Amen? But you know what that means? It doesn't just mean making a good confession like this. It means living right. It means when he tells you don't do this, you don't do it. When he says do this, you do it. Listening to his words and obeying them. Hearkening and obeying. Well, let's back up a little bit and let's examine in some detail different parts of the curse because what I'm doing now is establishing some particular things that we have been redeemed from. Say it again. Christ has redeemed us, Christ has redeemed us. from the curse of the law. Now, you do understand, you, you, I suggest that you take the time to read this uh, chapter, 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. I suggest that you take the time to read it, you know, a couple of three times. We have reading assignments along during healing school. And those of you that are coming to uh, to receive and coming to hear, uh, I, this, I want you to do that, you know. 
uh, tonight or tomorrow night or whenever. Take some time. Read this chapter 28. Read it two or three times. Familiarize yourself with it better. But there's several things that he mentions. The curse involved every area of life. You can see that over here in verse 16. Just like he said they'd be blessed in the same way in areas they'd be cursed. Cursed shall you be in the city. You'll be cursed in the field. In your basket in your store you'll be cursed. Cursed in the fruit of your body. Cursed the fruit of your land. Cursed in the increase of your kind. The flocks of your sheep. You'll be cursed when you come in. Cursed when you go out. In other words, in all the ways and areas that you would, would have been blessed, now you'll be cursed. You could just sum it up by saying, if you obey God and go with Him, your whole life will be blessed. Everything about it will be blessed. If you don't, your whole life, everything about it will be cursed. Not just one or two things, everything about it. But in studying the whole chapter here, and this remainder of this chapter, you see that part of the curse included being oppressed by your enemies. Part of the curse included drought, famine, lack, poverty, not having money, having to borrow and never having enough, and, and being, being the underdog and being on the low social uh, rung of the ladder uh, in everything. And, and that's, you know, poverty. And oppression and destruction of all kinds is part of the curse. But because this is healing school, we're going to zero in on this specific area. He mentions several things that have to do with physical problems. Sickness and disease is a part of the curse of the law. How many know that? What's the good news about that? Christ has redeemed us, bought us back with his precious blood from the curse of the law. What does that mean? We don't have to have it. Is that right? We've been bought back from it. We don't have to have it. Technically, we've sinned, and the payment for sin is death. These things are different manifestations of death. So technically, yeah, we it, it's owed to us. But thank God Jesus took the payment of sin, didn't he? He took the curse. Isn't that what the Scripture said? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How and why? Jesus was made a curse for us. Isn't that right? So anything we find in this chapter, we realize it came on Jesus. And we don't have to have it come on us. If we walk with Him, we don't have to have it come on us. Irrespective of our past, the issue is right now, what do we believe? Amen. And how do we think and walk right now? Let's begin looking in detail at these things. Skip down to verse 21. And uh, I'm going to, to couple with these verses in the King James some uh, uh, phrases from other translations. I put together uh, some, some other translations to, to accompany this, and I'm going to read it out loud with these, because sometimes if you just read it over in the King James, you, you miss some of what he's saying. Verse 21 says, The Lord will make the pestilence cleave unto thee. This is part of the curse, isn't it? Pestilence means disease, sickness after sickness, disease after disease. How many glad that we've been redeemed from, from diseases? Verse 22, it says, The Lord will smite thee with a consumption. Now, consumption, uh, three different translations say tuberculosis. Uh, four, three or four different translations say wasting disease. Or infectious disease. How many glad you've been redeemed from consumption? 
You don't have to have any kind of tuberculosis. You don't have to have infectious diseases. You don't have to have wasting diseases. That's a part of the curse of the law. And the good news is, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, you, you know why we're studying this, right? Anything you find in here, you've been bought back, redeemed from, you don't have to have it. Right? That's why we're looking at it. Thank God we've been redeemed from consumption. And it says, with a fever. Fever. Now, the word fever there uh, means just what you think about when you say fever, but it also means something beyond that. It means recurrent fever. See, fever that's, fever that's a problem. Actually, Leviticus also brings up the, the subject of ague. The King James uses the word ague, A-G-U-E. And what that literally is, is uh, fevers like malarial fevers. It goes on to say here, fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning. All these go together. Extreme burning, inflammation. Listen to some other translations of inflammation. One of them, like we says, says fever. Another one says cold and infections. That's interesting, isn't it? Cold and infections. Well, how many know that colds have to do with fevers and infections? It's all part of the same thing. Also, extreme burning. Uh, three translations say fiery heat. See, this, this is a result of fever, isn't it? I mean, when, when so many times when people go over and put their hand on somebody's forehead and they feel heat. Right? And they say, well, it's hot. They got a fever. That's what he's talking about. How many know you've been redeemed from that? You've been redeemed from that. The Byington translation says influenza. That's interesting, isn't it? Or we'd just say the flu. Did you know you've been redeemed from the flu? That's right. You've been redeemed from the flu. You know, I was reading something the other night about, about just the common cold. And uh, I've learned something about the cold myself, just in the last several years. Uh, been, I noticed that there had been times where I just, you know, I was bothered, maybe not with anything serious, but just sniffles and, and this and that, just, just several times during the year. And then other times, I'd go for months and months and months and months and never even have a symptom at all. Just never even think about it, you know. And I begin to see that it had it tied in directly with the way I was built up spiritually. When I was built up good and strong, keeping myself built up, I just didn't, you know, didn't even think about it. But I'd, when I'd wear myself out, getting myself too tired, push myself too much, not take the time to read and Stay built up like I ought to. Then I became much more susceptible. Had a lot more problems. And I was reading this, this one individual's writing on the fact he, he told how many. He was a, a doctor and a scientist, researcher. He was talking about the common cold. And he was talking about the fact that how many different millions, uh, you know, different kinds of germs there were that caused what we call the common cold. All kind of little germs. And, he's, and how small they were. Just tiny, tiny things. And he said, the thing is, they're in the body. And they're already in there. And a lot of times they'll be in there for a long, long time, but they won't bother you. You never know it until your system gets down weak enough. 
And then if your system gets real weak, it's like they're sitting there waiting. And then when you get real weak, the door is open, then they seize the opportunity and start thriving in your body. When when your immune system gets down weak to where it can't fight it. And I've found that my immune system is affected by my spirit. Amen. If my spirit's built up and kept strong, that affects my immune system. Amen. Natural things and spiritual things. You know, I notice that if I just go, go, go and push myself and push myself and not take time to read like I ought to or wait on the Lord like I ought to. See, the Bible says they that wait on the Lord, what will happen to them? They renew their strength. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus said man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, when you're taking time to read the word and feed on the word, you're feeding your spirit. Makes your spirit strong. Nourishes you up, you see. This is a big key to healing, my friend. The Bible said it in Proverbs 18, 14. It said the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily pain and trouble. So you get your spirit built up strong, it helps you to, to, to receive your healing. And then, and then if you're smart, you just keep your spirit built up. Amen? And it'll keep the door closed to so many problems. I thought, you know, when I was reading that, I thought, well, that's just like the devil. You can tell where those things come from. Isn't that right? Just, just lie around in your body, lurking around, waiting until you get weak. See? Now, they may be in there a long time. And, 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 you know, a, a lot of those things, uh, you know, even some things that, that have to do with cancer and what have you, are some of the same way. Some of those things are there. Some, sometimes they're there for a long time, but as long as you're built up and strong, they don't bite, they don't have any place. See, your blood's so strong, all the, the, the cells that fight germs, man, they're strong. They're, they're marching 20 abreast down through your blood vessel, you know. Anything that comes along, bam, it's out, you know. And so all these germs, they hide back over in the corner when these guys come back because they're all so strong. But if you, if you let your spirit get weak, that begins to affect your body. Push yourself. Don't pray and read like you ought to and what have you. And get into some things, wrong things maybe that pulls you down too. Then see you get weaker and weaker. And that's what the enemy's looking for. He attacks when you're weak. A lot of times, you know, he'll hit you with temptations too. When you're the weakest. He watches you. The Bible said, don't you remember that, that the enemy tempted Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights and then he left him for, for a time. What? Until, see, until a, a more opportune time for him. He's, he's looking for a weak spot somewhere. Well, friend, you ought to keep the devil looking. Amen. Have him waiting. Waiting until you get weak. Months pass and you don't get weak. You get stronger. So he's still waiting. Amen. And you just keep him waiting. You know what I'm saying? Just keep him waiting. Instead of getting weaker, get stronger. Just build yourself up. You'll have less and less trouble with things. The the, the spiritual uh, condition affects the physical condition. Remember what the Lord said over in 3 John 2? He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health. How? Even as your soul prospers. Can you see how that the development and prosperity and increase of the inward man affects the outward man? Certainly it does. And I tell you one of the biggest things that will make you weak inside, and that's condemnation. Guilt. Man, that'll, that'll jerk the rug out from under you spiritually. That'll weaken you spiritually as quick as anything I know of is guilt. 
guilt. There's only two reasons why an individual, why a Christian would live in guilt. One of them is they refuse to repent and refuse to quit doing something that's wrong. The second one is that they won't believe the word of God concerning the cleansing power of the blood. Friend, how many know that, that if you have confessed your sins and God's heard your prayer, the Bible said He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Is that right? And, and if, you, if you've confessed your sin and, and, and repented concerning things and areas that you've missed it and you're still living in guilt, then you're doubting the Lord's words in that area. That's all there is to it. If you live in guilt then you're doubting what he said. You don't really believe that he's cleansed you. You don't really believe that he's forgiven you. You don't really believe that he doesn't remember your sins anymore. And that's, you know, that's just doubt. What can you do with, with that? Friend, believe God. There's no reason why you should live another day in any guilt. If you've been guilt-ridden about something, you've got to get rid of it. If you want to be healed, you've got to get rid of this because it'll hinder your healing. Guilt will hinder your faith. It'll, it'll undermine your faith. It'll make your spirit weak. Make you susceptible to all kind of problems. If, if, you're, if your conscience has been bothering you about something, if you feel guilty about something, then you need to ask yourself a question. Have I repented over that? Have I changed? If not, take care of it. Obey what you know is right. But you might say, well, I have. I've already repented, Brother Keith. I've taken care of it. Well, then why do you still have guilt? It's because you don't believe that you really are clean. You don't really believe that you are forgiven, that you are washed, that God doesn't remember it, that it, it, as far as He's concerned, it's just not there. Oh, thank God. All of us have missed it. All, there, all of us have things we wouldn't want people to know. Things that we're ashamed of. But friend, we don't have to go around with our head down. We, we, we don't have to, to, to go around with any guilt or remorse. Amen. Anytime the devil ever brings something to me that I did and that I messed up in the past, I immediately, now I hadn't always done this, I'm, I'm learning, I'm telling you, but I immediately stand up and say, no, I'm not going to let you put me under condemnation about that. I'm, I'm forgiven. That's gone. I refuse to think about it. I refuse to talk about it. That man's dead. Amen. That's gone. Gone. Dead should be forgotten. I, and you're not getting me under guilt about it because Jesus has paid the price. And I'm not going through the thing and dragging it up and talking about it. It's gone. He doesn't remember it. I'm not going to talk about it. That's it. I'm free. I'm clean. Amen. If you don't do that, then the devil will use those things to undermine your faith and to make you weak. And remember, when you're weak, you're susceptible to all kind of things. All kind of problems. Friend, this is so important. So important. If you have, if, if your conscience is bothering you about something, if you haven't taken care of it, take care of it. Immediately. Don't wait. But if you have taken care of it, if you have, have repented, then don't you let yourself feel guilty about it anymore. Amen. Don't, don't, don't let remorse and guilt pile up on you and get down and get depressed. That makes you weak. Remember, what's your strength? The joy of the Lord. Well, if you're all depressed, that means you're spiritually what? Weak. Is that right? There's no such thing as a strong, depressed Christian. No such thing. No, sir, no, ma'am. If you're strong, spiritually, you have joy. 
Isn't that right? And friends, spiritual strength affects you physically. Don't you think it doesn't? It affects you. When your spirit's strong, it will sustain you even in bodily pain and trouble, the scripture says. Proverbs 18, 14. Strong spirit. Part of having a strong spirit is living in a consciousness that I am forgiven, I am cleansed. Amen. Amen. Holy before the Lord. And you just refuse to let it come up again to you. Now notice, we're redeemed from fever, inflammation, cold, infections, flu. Also, in verse 22, it goes on to say, with the sword, with blasting, and with mildew. <laughs> That's interesting. Been redeemed from mildew. Well, you could misunderstand that. I don't think he's talking about the stuff that grows in your shower when you don't clean it. I think that'd fall more under the curse of the fall. But two other translations, and these are reputable translations, they bring out some interesting things. One of them brings out jaundice. Instead of saying mildew, it says jaundice. And the Septuagint translation says paleness. Those two are similar, aren't they? Jaundice and paleness. How many know what jaundice is? A lot of times in connection with uh, with serious internal diseases, you'll see uh, jaundices of different kinds. Uh, yellow jaundice. Different times it affects the pigment of the skin, coloration of the whites of the eyes, and, and it's a sign of, you know, problems, internal problems. Well, you've been redeemed from that. I said you've been redeemed from that. You've been bought back from that. You don't have to have that. Don't you thank God? Verse 27 goes on talking about sickness and disease. It says, The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt, the emeralds, the scab, the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. I often say humorously, you wouldn't even have to know what the botch of Egypt is to know you're glad you've been redeemed from it. <laughs> Amen. Thank God I've been redeemed from the botch of Egypt. Isn't that right? That just sounds bad, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody came up to you with a hypodermic needle and it had some strange colored liquid in it and they said, uh, would you like some of the botch of Egypt? You say, dear God, no. Get that thing away from me. I don't want any of that. Right? Well, what is the botch of Egypt? Different translations say burning sores. Egyptian scab and sores. Inflammatory disease, boils and ulcers. Now, how many realize you, when we say ulcers, a lot of times you think about ulcer in the stomach, you know, but you can have ulcers on top of the skin. Ulcer is a sore, you see, and a boil-like thing. You can see he's talking about different kinds of sores and ulcers and boils. How many glad you've been redeemed from these things? Everybody say, thank God. I'm redeemed, I'm redeemed from scabs, from scabs sores, sores, boils, boils ulcers. ulcers. These things Amen. are part of the curse of the law. And according to Galatians 3.13, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You believe that, don't you? Yes. You might say, well, well, Brother Keith, I got a sore right now. How come? <laughs> Remember what we said about faith? 
See, you got to start believing you're redeemed no matter what it looks and feels like. You got to start saying it and believing it. You believe first, then you see it change. Isn't that right? And you might say, well, I don't have any balls or souls. Well, get it built into you right now. Amen. And then you could never have any. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could go on and on and on and not ever have any. Get it built in you right now. One thing that folk really need to get a hold of, children need these things built into them. From the time they're real small, they need it built into them real strong. So that by the time they get to be adults, they just expect to be healthy. I mean, you know, they don't expect anything else. Now, of course, you've got to live right. We've already been talking about that. But in connection with that, you, you should just be able to walk in health. Thank God forever. Thank God I'm redeemed from the botch of Egypt. And with the emirads. Well, you wouldn't have to know much about that to know that you, you don't want it. Actually, three different translations, instead of saying emirads, say hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids. How many glad you've been redeemed from hemorrhoids? Thank God. That's something good to know, isn't it? Praise God. Maybe you've never had problems with hemorrhoids. Thank God. Get it built in your spirit and don't ever have problems with them. But if you have had problems with them, I've got problems with them right now. Just begin to say, thank God, according to Deuteronomy 28, 27, hemorrhoids are part of the curse of the law. And according to Galatians 3, 13, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Therefore, I'm redeemed from hemorrhoids. Don't have to have hemorrhoids. I'm free. Amen. So body straighten up. Come in line with the Word of God. Other translations go on to say ulcers, swelling in the groin, sores, piles, tumors. Actually, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, reputable translations that say tumors. The New American, New English, Berkeley, Beck, uh, NIV, Moffitt's, Fenton. These are all reputable translations. They all say tumors. Well, boy, we live in a day of tumors, don't we? Everybody say, thank God. I've been redeemed from tumors. I don't have to have tumors. Christ redeemed me from tumors. Amen. You know, one thing that makes folks susceptible to some things is fear of it. Really does. People get in fear. Some things, you know, like cancer and uh, tumors and, and what have you. People get in fear over it. Open the door to it. No, friend, if you get full of faith, it pushes fear out. Isn't that right? You get full of faith about you being redeemed, it just pushes fear out the door. I don't have to fear these things. I've been redeemed. Amen. Jesus bore the, the penalty of all these things upon himself. It goes on to say, and with the scab, and with the itch, whereof thou canst not be healed. Thank God you don't have to have the itch. Amen? Aren't you glad you don't have to have the itch? Listen to this. Different translations, instead of saying scab, they say scurvy, eczema. That's a word we know, isn't it? Malignant scab and festering sores. How many know what a malignant scab would be? 
That'd be skin cancer. Isn't that right? You see why I'm taking the time to go through some of these things. Sometimes if you just read over this real quick, you, you, you won't realize all he's saying to us. But this applies to us today. Different ways to say the same thing. But we need to understand this is talking about us. I don't know about you, this excites me. I mean, this makes me glad. I don't have to have the itch. I don't have to have skin cancer. I don't have to have sores and eczema and scurvy. See, he's talking about skin conditions here, isn't he? Different kinds of skin problems and skin conditions. And also he said the itch. Instead of saying the itch, uh, some translations say incurable itch, skin eruptions, and other sorts of skin disease. I think you can see with this word scab and itch, he's talking about any kind of a skin problem really you could think of. I know a little about that. Uh, as a boy, I had an allergic problem. And I'd have hives. And just terrible conditions. And it didn't happen once or twice. It happened every year. Sometimes two or three times a year. Just out of the blue. Wham. And... Uh, I took medication, did different things. Seemed like the medication was almost as bad as the uh, the problem. But I thank God, in my late teens, I got a hold of this. Amen. In fact, I, did, I didn't know exact the detail I'm sharing with you now. I, I got basically just got a hold of the fact that I've been redeemed from the curse of the law and a new sickness was part of the curse of the law. Didn't know it was as specific as it is. But thank God... One day, some of the, I begin to see some signs of this. And, and any time that you see some sign of it, you just well as to get your medicine and get ready to be bed fast a few days or whatever you know. It was just terrible. But instead of doing that, I said, no, uh-uh, no. According to the Word of God, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I spoke to it. I said, now you just dry up. I'm not having this. I'm not giving place to this. And I started singing, I am healed, I am whole. From the top of my head to the tip of my toes. Amen. First Peter 2.24 says we were. And if we were, then I am. I am healed. I am whole from the top of my head. Amen. To the soles of the tip of my toes. It's one of Brother David Engel's songs. Thank God. Uh, you know, I just went on about my business and forgot about it. Within a few days I realized, hey, you should be sick by this time, naturally speaking. And I looked on that part of my body and, and, and it was completely gone. No sign of it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Set, set me free. I had a problem with that for years. Well, I went year after year after year. No problem. No problem. Then I came out here to Bible school. And as I hear my first year, out of the blue, wham, here's some of this stuff. How many of the devil will try to come back on stuff? Now, see, you need to be ready for that. You may go for years and not have a problem with something. And then here out of the blue, he tries to come back with something. And I said, oh, no, no, the Bible is still true. The Word of God still says I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I, re I refuse to accept this. I resist it in the name of Jesus. Leave me. Go from me. Clear up from me. And within a day or so, it was gone. And that's been years. Hadn't had any problem with that. I mean, that's been... What, 10 years? Glory to God! Now the devil's still around. You know? And he may come and try to do something with you sometime. But friend, the same truth that sets you free to begin with will keep you free. 
But see, what happens so many times is people respond wrongly. You know, the symptoms come and they go, well, I don't understand. I thought I was healed. What's wrong? And friend, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. You might as well just open the door and say, come on back. How many times have folk done that though? Well, I don't understand. I, I thought I was. What do you mean you thought? The Bible's true or it's not? Are you redeemed or not? See, don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. It doesn't make any difference if the symptoms are there or if they're not there. The Word's still true. What are you believing is, is to be based on the Word. I thank God I've been redeemed from the itch. From the scab. You know, many, many, many people suffer from diverse kinds of allergic conditions. Skin, you know, we, we live in a world that's full of pollutants besides, you know. And, and I've seen people, bless their hearts, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they just get so conscious. I've seen people that have just been bound to the point, uh, they, they were afraid to breathe. It's the truth. I believe you're to do the best you know how to do. Don't expose yourself unnecessarily to toxic things. But at the same, at the same token, you just, you know, you have to deal with what's here. Amen. God's made your body in such a way that it's able to handle a lot of stuff. Amen. Besides that, you got the help of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God will protect you and help you. Do the best you can. Keep yourself out of stuff that's going to hurt you and harm you as much as you can. But then sometimes you just have to take what's there. How many of you got to breathe the air such as it is? Is that right? I don't care where you're at. You know, if you live in New York and you're supposed to be in New York, or if you live in L.A. and you're supposed to live in L.A. or whatever, you know, and there's some stuff in the air, you got to breathe the air. Is that right? Breathe God and breathe. <laughs> don't go around in fear. You don't have to go around with three gas masks on and, and afraid of everything. You know, if you're in a situation where, where, you know, the food is not as good as you'd like for it to be, do the best you can. But if that's all you got, pray over it and eat it and don't worry about it. Don't expect to have any problems. That's right. God's bigger. God's bigger than these things. And, that, and that's part of, the, part of what Mark said. He said, if you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. That doesn't mean going tempting God. Doing something you don't have to do. That's talking about, you know, doing the best you can. And then believing God for the rest. Well, he, you know, sometimes God will help you by showing you something that's causing you the problem and then you change it and stop it when you can. Other times, it's something you can't avoid. Like I've, I've worked with people that were supposed to be uh, uh, contagious to people. Not, not contagious. What am I trying to say? Allergic, that's it. Allergic to people. And allergic to the air. And allergic to water. And you know, you, you can't be allergic to the air. You gotta breathe. You can't be allergic to people. What are you gonna do? Go live by yourself? You, that, you know, some folk try to, and people say, well you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. You need to be delivered. <laughs> are you listening? Delivered from fear. I've worked with people, more than one case. You know, people that were so paranoid, people that were so, you know, so filled with fear about every little thing, so meticulous about everything, lived in constant dread. And friend, the Bible said that fear makes you subject to bondage. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.